Do you feel like you were popular? I mean, I, I feel like I was relatively popular. Yeah. So we had two very different <laughs> high school experiences. Welcome to Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez, Purpose and Intuition Coach. And I'm Melissa Grushka, and this podcast is so fetch. I mean, this week, you and I are going back to high school. I'm ready. Bean, Irene, Irene. Hello. Hi. Hi. What's happening? So nice to see you. Oh my God, you're using your NPR voice. It's so nice to see you this evening. Thank you. Uh, what's going what's, on? Nothing. It's back to school week. How about oh you were God. back to school you before us? Saying, I just want to say that we've been saying this for weeks. Okay, well, this was <laughs> officially, <laughs> officially back to school week. You and? know, the lead up to school is so much. And then the first week of school is so much. And it's and? going great. Everyone's doing really well. I'm hashtag feeling blessed. Hashtag feeling blessed. How are you feeling? I'm Let's feeling hashtag blessed. I don't know. Oh, okay. I was, I very conveniently was given a job or got a job right before my kids started school. So now my time is a little better filled, I think, than it would have been otherwise had I oh, not so it's had. it's distracting. Yeah, I think it's distracting. It's giving me something to do and and I was ready for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise. Hallelujah. Wow. Well, all right. Thanks. That's good. What about I'm you glad. though? You're like um, eight weeks into school. I'm yeah. What's going on? I'm good. This week my mom and her husband are visiting. Shout out Maheen. Yeah. We have Mimi here and Pop Pop. And it's a lot of home cooked meals, which is really nice that and spoiling. It's really nice. Yeah. So anyway, what's your cringe or delight this week? My cringe was actually from this morning when I opened my dishwasher. You know, you open it, you can smell plastic burning and you're like, oh yeah. shit, something stuck on the bottom. And when yeah. I looked, it was my most favorite bread knife that I've had for like, <laughs> I'd say 20 years. But the cringe moment of it all was I realized how deeply I feel for this knife, which definitely I think is an indication of age. When you have like Wait. a favorite knife or a favorite <laughs> burner on your stove, you know what I mean? Like, and you have real feelings about it. You this have a definitely burner? Oh, it's this is a thing. A lot Wait. of people do. I guarantee you a lot of listeners. A favorite have burner. Like on your the stove. Left one top burner. Yeah, one that works the best. For me, it's personally, it's the bottom right. Is this a gas stove or an it is. electric? It's a gas stove. But even I've had electric stoves and have had the same. Are we talking about this? This Appliances. is cringy. This is what. Right. This, this whole is thing what is I'm cringy. Saying. Right. You know, that's this the is point. the second time you have mentioned an appliance for your cringy moment. <gasps> so in the last, like, I don't know, eight episodes or something. I think so. We're getting a you... sense for how exciting your life is. Right. And when you reach a certain age, these are the things that matter. And that in itself is cringy. I was genuinely sad to lose that knife. Genuinely. Can you describe this butter knife to us? It wasn't a butter knife. I said a bread knife. Oh, right Write sorry. that down. Okay, so it's knife. long. It's serrated in the perfect way. It cuts bagels beautifully. It cuts through sourdough, a nice crunchy sourdough. It just like glides right through it. I don't know if I'll ever find another, to be honest. I'm so sorry. You look, genuinely, you look genuinely concerned. You described it and then I really started to feel... Yeah, I've used it so much. I've used it at holidays. I've used it for events. I've used it on regularly. I really miss it. I'm not going to lie to you. 
just the handle sort of snapped off and I still have the entire oh. knife with like a tiny piece of plastic. I'm almost thinking of salvaging it and just like you, cutting my finger open just at the bottom while I'm what? using it. Yeah. I, there's no handle. I think I need maybe it. it's time to throw it away. I don't think I'm ready. No. Okay. I'm sorry. Where'd you get it from? I don't know. I've had it for oh, like no. 20 years. It's traveled from house to house to house with me. Yeah. It's been, it's been around. It's been a big part of my life. I'm so sorry. This Anything is, for this you? This is a hard time for us. Um, you did make fun of me about describing my salad ingredients, and I think you've now matched that level of yeah. But I'm going to say in your my my story is better. Okay, my anyway. cringe moment is this conversation, and <laughs> ever. <laughs> Let's see. My delight this week. Oh, I am going to go. I'm going to a retreat in Ohio. Oh, and I'm going to yeah. teach my oh, course, hi. Unleash Your oh, <laughs> Unleash Your Intuition course. I'm excited. I'm. It's going to be like 12 really fabulous women at this gorgeous inn. And I also get to like, you know, relax. I booked a massage already. I booked a yeah, massage. And then the second day I booked a spiritual reading with <gasps> like this on-site spiritualist. How next, cool is that? So cool. And next year I'm going to be the 13th wonderful, beautiful woman. You are. So I'm excited. Uh, you should be. I even printed out my workbook for everyone. Well, that was a little cringy. Okay. I, <laughs> I was a little yeah. nervous. Um, and then my cringe is, man, the second revision of my book is due to the editor in a week. And Not cringe. the first four chapters are really making me anxious. And so I bit the bullet and I sent it to my amazing, really <gasps> brilliant writer friend. And I'm just really like, I sent it and I felt like I was going to cry and throw up at the same time. I was like, I, I felt exposed. Like I felt like I walked into a movie theater naked. That's how it felt. And have you gotten feedback? No, not yet. I sent it yesterday. <sighs> I don't think. I think we should all take a deep breath and it's okay, going to be great. Breathe. Yeah, it's going to be great. Thanks. Well, speaking of cringe, we decided to go to high school this week. We sure did. Back to high school. Why are we doing this though? <laughs> we're, we're grown women. We are. Well... My daughter started high school this year. I think we talked about oh, that. We and did. we were talking, I think you and I, just about like, it's the first age of a child of mine where I now fully remember yeah. everything she's experiencing from my own life, which is really like nuts. Mind blowing. So, yeah. It's like, I totally know, like I can think about, oh, ninth grade, this is yeah. where my locker was. Here's how I felt at lunchtime. Here's who I sat with. I know every detail. So we were like, oh, high school. That was such a like, why is high school such a formative and for a lot of people like uh, triggering and moment defining. Their, yeah, defining, triggering moment of their life. So we thought we would spend this episode taking y'all back to your high school days to figure out how it may have affected your current mindset. I'd love to know how you felt in lunch. Uh, that was the weirdest part that you mentioned. I did. I think I said it because I felt weird at lunch for the first. Oh, you couple. did? Why? Yeah, I think. Oh, because you don't know people. Yeah, I think it was a little awkward. That was just freshman year. I think it got better, but I think in the beginning it was like, where do you sit? You're, you know, freshmen true, aren't allowed true. to leave campus like the older people, and you have to sit in the cafeteria or like get your lunch and go sit outside. But like, who do you sit with? What do you do? You were allowed campus? to. I'm sorry. Can I interject? You were allowed to leave campus. Yeah, once you're a junior, you leave. And return? No, we were not allowed off premises. That's ridiculous. N nobody would have come back. What do you mean? Who you knows what would back. have happened? Well, no. we all le left wow. and came back. 
Junior wow, year was awesome. Lovely. We'd get in our car and drive to McDonald's and get fries and a <gasps> vanilla sh- um, ice cream cone. And then you would dip the fry in the vanilla cone and that was lunch. We could get fries in our cafeteria. Okay. I used to get cheese fries. Mm. Are you comparing cafeteria cheese fries to McDonald's fries? They, they were good. What do you want? I don't know. I don't know where you went to high school. Anyway, so that's why I said the lunch thing. But so this is what we thought we would do to kick us off on our high school episode. We're going to just to give everyone an idea here. We are going to get into like why high school becomes so defining and why it's triggering and some theories I have as a purpose and intuition coach about high school in general and what happens to us at this stage. But all of that for later, we decided we were going to start by asking our families to describe us in high school. Do you want to kick it off? Who did you ask? I'm so excited. I asked my parents and my sister. Okay. All right. So Debbie and Bruce. Debbie and Bruce. What did they have to say? Okay. I feel like more than they described me, it almost sounds like they described their own experiences, parents to me yes agreed my mother my poor mother she said pretty thankful i didn't know what was going on till it was way over still (laughs) takes my breath away scary for a mom like teenagers are exclamation point but underneath signs of the sweetest daughter and sister emerging heart emoji that sounds so like her she's like you were awful but i'm gonna be really nice about it (laughs) i feel like i kind of get the same sentiment from my dad but not i wasn't i was like rebellious but with a kind heart you know what i mean like at my core i knew what was right but i needed to sow my oats yes my father's is a little more in depth he says my little girl in high school wanted to run away go to california (laughs) escape the madness wait let me let me yeah let me preface this before i read it Let me preface this. My sister was very sick growing up for most of my life, most of my childhood. So it was like a tricky dynamic with my sister being so ill and them not forcing her to do much and then trying to put rules in place for me, but not wanting me to feel, you know, like she's getting the easier end of it, even though she wasn't. But in my teenage brain, I didn't know how to make sense of it all. Um, Plus, there was a lot of like doctor visits and stuff where they had to pay a lot of attention to her. Um, so in my teenage brain, again, I couldn't process. I'll restart my dad's now that we all have the important information. My little girl in high school wanted to run away, go to California, escape the madness. Tensions, of course, given the family dynamics. But deep inside, you cared about everyone. A wild child, but deeply rooted in family. Did many crazy things, half of which we knew about, or actually I knew about. Many boyfriends, many girlfriends, but in the end, true ones remained. On the phone, on the phone, on the phone. Funny, sarcastic, good sense of humor. For me, right? Despite the tensions, a wonderful sister and wonderful daughter, always caring for family. Never slept out that much, always more comfortable being at home. Always the sweet noise of your being home. So sorely missed when you left for college. Makes me tear up a little. God, I know, my dad always writes the nicest stuff. He that writes is, that in like cards. He always writes the nicest stuff. It's so that was sad, really right? Really beautiful. I was. It was wow. Really beautiful. He loves you so much. That's yeah. so cute. Wow. All right. Do you want well, me to do my sister? Yeah. Or, is she going to be really nice to you too? I'm really embarrassed to read my family's now. Why? You aren't going to so, cry. No, I I think they were saying like I was really bad, but that no, I that was, was loving. Very sweet. My sister just wrote a bunch of descriptive words, which I found very helpful. Well, sort of. Um, angry, <laughs> angry, <laughs> defensive, rebellious, snide, 
Sensitive, scared, confused, lonely, hidden, sarcastic, silly, hilarious, fun, caring, loved, loving, becoming, sisterly. She actually wrote snisterly because we call each other snisters. Wow. Doesn't that really describe like every teenager? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Does it? I think so. It's like such a blend of um, becoming who you are and like having that core of love and kindness in you, but you have to rebel and yeah, you're angry sort of, yeah. which we're going to talk about why. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I feel well, so was, bad. That was why lovely, do you feel right? bad? That I just feel really bad true. that my parents had to suffer through all of that with me. Do you relate when you read all that? Do you feel like, yeah, that was me. They got yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. They all nailed it. And it was like the same tone through each message. Yeah. So they all saw the same thing even, which is wild. Because sometimes, you know, parents might perceive things a little differently. But I think yeah. that – I think I was very seen. I may have felt not seen, but clearly I was very seen. Yeah. All right. Hit it. Okay. I asked my mama, <laughs> my sister, and my brother. Okay. My mom said, you wanted to be free to do whatever you wanted to do and go wherever you wanted to go period. That's the end. (laughs) That was it. My sister said, um, what I remember keenly about you during your high school years was the fact that you and Pam and Mono and Ernesto were your own crew. (laughs) It was really cool to see how you all gelled with each other. The other thing is you were so close to Pam. You did everything together to the point. I honestly thought you had some kind of romantic relationship. So my sister thought that I needed to come out. My mom thought I was very free. I think I'm reading a tinge of like to the extent that it drove her nuts. My brother responded with one word, troublemaker. Then I said, <gasps> is that what you really want to be said on the podcast? He said, fine. You were intelligent and mature more than your physical years would suggest, but also more caring and loving. On the flip side, you were an instigator that turned into at times a magnificent pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have seen it. I would so have much loved love. it. So much love. <laughs> you should have started and then I followed you up. I Can I just tell you why I think you get the similar kind of – well, my sister didn't call me a pain in the ass. She was like focused on whether I was in love with my best friend. But I think all three of them are very similar people. Like they're very studious, head down, salt of the earth humans. And I'm very – I'm a big personality and I honestly think it's like that was what I rem- – I'm not shocked that they said that about me in high school, but I remember in high school feeling like, who are you people? Like I don't relate to any of you at all. I felt that way. I think every teenager feels that way. That's sort of the point. Like they just cannot relate any longer to their – definitely their parents. Yeah. Yeah. And then when your older siblings are nine and ten years older than you, like mine, yeah, it's like having three parents really. Right. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, man. Wow. I love I that activity. Let's make our parents say stuff about us for every episode. Next time it has to be nicer for me. I'm going to send your dads to my family and be like, excuse me, <laughs> this is how you describe me next time I ask you. Well, Maybe listen, my dad should help you write your book. I'll take all the help I can get honestly, at this stage. Okay. So anyway, let's get into it. High school. I think that if you're listening to this episode, I'd love for you to take a minute right now and just like think about the first thing that hits you when you think about high school. And we have so much in our culture that I think um, 
persuades us about what high school should be like. So the first thing that came to mind for me as we were talking about high school and high school rebellion is also how it's portrayed in the media. Do you have favorite, like, what did you watch in high school that, like, portrayed high school life to you? And then did your high school life match that or not? Um, I mean, obviously I watched 90210. I grew up in the nineties and Uh, would I say that the Beverly Hills, I mean, we weren't even allowed (laughs) to leave our campus. So I mean, so I'm going to tell you, no, it did not portray what was going on. In fact, my mother didn't even like me watching 90210 because she thought they were too mature. Well, let me tell you why. All right. The problem with high school (laughs) movies and TV is that you don't have high schoolers playing these roles. They're like 25 years old. So you have these like grown people looking all gorgeous and not awkward that was my like feeling about high school stuff that I would watch right is like how gorgeous everybody was and how put together and like nobody had a pimple nobody was awkward everyone was that's not true that's only on Nino but like another thing that comes to mind are every single every single John Hughes movie that existed pretty in pink ducky is does not is not perfect I mean he's lovable pretty in pink breakfast club there's the pretty the rebel pink. Did, was the, there a single guy in your school that looked like uh, what's his face? Who's the no. guy she falls in love with? Yeah, but there are. I bet there are. Like there are still the hot guys in school or the hot girls in school. That definitely is a dynamic that everybody thinks is attractive, right? Yeah. It's or is true. that just the movies? I don't no, know. You're Maybe. right. Pretty in Pink is definitely the first thing I ever saw as a kid. No, I'm lying. Sixteen Candles. Sixteen is what Candles. I'm Sixteen Candles is the first movie I ever saw. I think I was like five. That implanted in my head what high school was supposed to be like, and right. it was all about sex and like having oh, sex. It is yes. Yeah. you're right. Um, That's then bad. I grew up, and then it was Saved by the Bell. Oh, Saved by the Bell and the College Years. Oh, I never watched the College Years. I'm so was, excited. Oh, yeah. It went into the tank in the college years. But Say by the Bell for me was like my defining thing. And I just was like, oh, high school is going to be so cool. I think I watched it in elementary (laughs) and middle school. And I just have to say, it just never is that glimmery. It wasn't for me. And then, of course, 90210. Wait, but I do think there are other ones that show that it's not as glimmery. I mean, like Breakfast Club, even though it's such a beautiful union of all these people, it's still That's showing true. that even the cool people are struggling. Breakfast That's Club true. is such a good movie. It is a really good movie. If you haven't yeah. seen it, guys, go Queen watch you. it. Although I feel like our audience probably has seen Breakfast Club. Anyway, so I don't know yeah. what a defining high school movie or TV show is for y'all, but I do think that the way that media describes high school really implanted in my head what it was supposed to be like. <laughs> and then I did not match that image whatsoever. <gasps> ever. Why? Did you? Do you feel yeah. like you're popular? I mean, I I feel like I was relatively popular. Yeah. So we had two very different <laughs> high school experiences. Perhaps. Because high school wasn't horrible for me at all. I mean, like, I definitely had a lot of feelings, but I don't, I don't, I look back on it very fondly. Yeah. So you didn't have as great of a high school experience. And I think a lot of people don't have a great high school experience. And sadly, I think that, um, I guess that feeling or that sentiment you have can have a lasting impact for a lot of people. Yeah, totally. And I guess that's the point of this This episode episode. is to really get into like, what is that lasting impact that it has? But how about also how maybe we could address how to break out of it? Yes. Like still, if it's still haunting you? Yeah, I 
I think it haunts a lot of people. I think things happen in those formative years that stay with you forever. I mean, even in your home, things happen during formative times in your life where your yeah. prefrontal cortex is developing. Ooh. Oh, excuse me, scientist. Very fancy. That was yeah. very scientist. Um, yeah, I might have some advice about that. Oh, I would we'd love to hear that. Okay, great. All right. Well, let's talk about why it's so defining. I think I'm like, th these are the three categories I want to get into. Oh. Popularity, peaking in high school, and rebellion, the concept of rebellion, rebellion and the way your parents talk about it. I mean, I really think both of our families really just showed how the way we think about teenagers in high school and their rebellion. And they obviously are seeing it through the lens of how it affects them, but they project it back onto you. So what do you say? Those three areas feel like the right? I, I feel, I'll follow your lead. I'm very Let's into go. those three areas. All right. So popularity. So I just asked if you were popular. You said you were. I mean, I, you... I was reasonably, I feel like I was friends with everybody. Yes. And you always had plans? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. I wasn't home a lot. Do you remember being conscious of wanting to be popular? Probably. I Again, I as we've mentioned, I have an extremely terrible memory. Um, I feel like there was always awareness. Even if you are popular, there's always an awareness. It's like a caste system. There's just some awareness of where you rank in the order. Did you try to become popular or just happened? I think it just happened because I'm just really awesome. No, I'm just kidding. I have. I think it just like, it's kind of organic. You know, you fall into a certain group. Those people become more popular. It was really me and my one best friend. And we were really friendly with different groups of people. So we would kind of do different kinds of things. Did you play you know. sports? <laughs> have we met? Have you met? Were Did you, you a cheerleader? Have, have we met? Do I Did seem you... like I'd be a cheerleader to you? You did or none play of those sports? things. No, I did none of those things. That's why I was caused so much trouble for my parents. <laughs> I, I think busy. that I'm noticing right now popularity with my daughter in school yeah. does have a lot to do with being an athlete or being in a being a part of some kind of group. Like you see them at school. Maybe she goes to a school that's very athletic focused yes. for some reason. But like they are all in some kind of athletic uniform in their little groups and then they'll like mix groups and it's all Ooh, about what spicy. sport you're doing and like no. how the meet went this weekend or the game went this weekend. And that is definitely what I'm sensing from her high school experience right now is like being athletic as part of popularity. Was that in your but high school? I think that it definitely helped. Like I, this is, so this was my deal. I went from in seventh and eighth grade in junior high, I became friends with the Palms. Do you know what Palms are? It's like not the cheerleading squad, nope. but the dance squad. So oh, they didn't do, I know, they didn't do like the, they didn't like do the flips and stuff like cheerleaders or make the pyramids, but they would like, you know, pick a song. <laughs> I don't know. Rihanna wasn't out then. So what am I thinking? Who would it have been? Destiny's Brittany. Child. Destiny's Child. Yeah. Or Britney. And then they would like perform a dance. So the Palm Ooh. Girls were my friends in middle school for some weird reason, because I did not do any of those things, nor did I fit their image whatsoever. Yeah. But, but I can totally see you vibing on a dance crew. That's like yes. your dream right now is to just You're watch right. a dance crew and then get up in it. I didn't get up in it, but it is my dream. So anyway, I didn't fit. And then when we got to high school, it became such a part of their personality that like they were palms and they would, you know, every Friday, if there was a varsity game, they came in their uniforms. I obviously like didn't. And so the distance grew because I personally Aww. felt so ostracized by it. They weren't, I don't think, trying to ostracize me. I think I pulled myself out of it. 
But so I will say, I think that in high school, it did have to do with like having some kind of extracurricular that you were attached to that right. defined your identity. And like you were a cheerleader or a palm girl or a football player, or lacrosse girl. I don't feel that way at my high school. No, you just, guys were just, just chilling. Saying. I don't you know. I mean, just... there were definitely the athletes, but I, I, there were also popular not athletes. Yeah. There was like skaters, there were athletes, there were, I mean, I guess it's like breakfast club. Exactly. I honestly totally. think that the thing about these movies is they are reflecting the high school experience where you get into these like groups and the groups right. think different things. You know what is actually the ultimate high school movie? What? Uh, not ultimate, but it does do this really well is Clueless. Oh, totally. Where it's she's great. walking around and she's like describing the different groups. Totally. Totally. And it's, also very Beverly Hills because there's a Persian clan of rich kids. Um, but Clueless, I think really like, I don't know. I love that movie. That's I mean, I, for I that type, for like a California high school, yes. It certainly yeah. is not reflective of a lot not of high schools. School. <laughs> yeah, totally. So anyway, I think popularity um, starts to really take shape as something that matters in high school. And I don't think you ever really shake that. Like this is my hypothesis. When you meet an adult, I think you can tell based on the way they carry themselves Definitely. if they were popular in high school or not. Definitely. Although you're saying you weren't popular. And if I met you now, I would be like, she was popular. I don't even like yeah. having this stupid conversation. But this is really what <laughs> I think it matters. I agree. No, I, I agree yeah. that mentally and emotionally it can impact you for life. That's what it we're does. really getting at here. Yeah. Not if I think you'd be popular or not. I appreciate you saying that, but I, it took a lot of work on myself to like, uncover my voice right. and have this empowered stance that I actually didn't find until I got into the working world and I just became really good at what I did. And then that, I think, I used to always say when I was at the agency that I was at right. prior to starting my own thing, like that experience of having different colleagues in different offices that like would get excited to hang out every time I'd travel and we'd go do right. things. That felt more like high school <laughs> was supposed to feel to me than high school felt. Wait, are you telling me you feel you felt popular at your last agency? It wasn't about popularity. It was like it was about fun and having multiple groups of people to hang out with. Whereas okay, in I high school, that. I was really like siloed to two or three people, which by the way, by junior year, I met my three best friends and it was like the most fun two years of my life. I oh, will good. never take that back. But we weren't popular by any means. But that's but that's beautiful though that you can say you weren't popular, but it was still the most fun. It there, was really everybody fun. write that down and get out of here. <laughs> but I do think it I just so I don't know. Go do this social experiment if you're listening. Like when you meet someone, see if you can guess like based on the way that they hold themselves and emote and speak if they were popular in high school or not. Like my husband, perfect example, just the way he carries himself. I'm like, I kind of totally was. Yes. I'm like, yes, you were I so popular. Totally it's guess. like annoying. Right. But why? Yeah. Why do you know that? I don't know. He has this like casual confidence about him. I don't know. I can just tell, I guess. Yeah. I can just tell. You can tell. So I then think, well, what about the flip side of that? Like those right. of us that weren't popular, what does it take to shake that off? And you even just said it yourself, you've done the work. Like that's how you got out of that mentality and you were able to free yourself from what you thought was boxing you in. Yeah. I'll tell you what I say to my clients. You know, it's funny. We, we you know, we've talked about this method that I do, which is like we do these visitations. My One of my clients came up with this word for what I do. I would be like, it's a meditation. And she's like, no, we're doing visitations where we'll go 
spend time with younger parts of ourselves every time yes, a limiting I've belief comes up. I've done it with up. you. Yes. yes. And um, we will go to high school a lot. I go to high school with my clients a lot. No way. You and a I went lot. immediately to my childhood, like yes. seven, eight years, never high school. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So it's really led me to this theory over doing this for five years, like, oh my God, a lot of the limiting beliefs that we are functioning with right now oh. have really come from our teenage high school selves <gasps> who are really struggling to fit in and rebel against their families at the same wow. time and how that like push and pull really creates this internal chaos that that creates these strategies that our teen selves make up in that moment that we actually still function from today we still make decisions from that chaotic place of our teenagehood today, particularly, this is where I see it pipe in, um, imposter syndrome. So in careers where, you know, people need to take a big leap or do something uncomfortable or put themselves out there or be in the public eye. A lot of my clients that are in the public eye, high school is where we go. A lot of their wow. limiting beliefs come from like whether they were popular in high school or not. Um, another thing that the high school brain is still in, in, decision making around is romantic love like whether really? you yeah what your value is when it comes to having a partner whether you deserve a partner how you're going to show up in that partnership comes from like what you needed in that time and the decisions you made what? in that time and not sh changing what? those things i feel like a lot of people don't even like peak romantically until college like there are plenty of people who didn't have relationships in high school and then they totally. take that and they struggle later in life from not having a relationship or only those who had relationships sort of apply that? No, what I mean is they take their limit, their beliefs about themselves at that age into wow. their romantic relationships. So I'm not pretty enough. <gasps> I'm not valuable enough for whatever reason. I'm not interesting enough. I'm not popular enough for someone to want me. It's not that they take their relationship dynamics forward. They take those beliefs from wow. that age. So it's and a I'm, really like potent age. I'm thinking on that thing you just said, how they are not able to fit in it popularity wise in school, but they're also simultaneously pushing away from their parents. So they like are leaving what was comfortable and safe for them and trying to find something comfortable and safe, but they can't get to it. So you're kind of like in the middle of nowhere floating, which is yes. really sad. And with your brain developing, that must be extraordinarily challenging. Yes, which I'm so glad you said that because you know how I said I want to talk about popularity, but also rebellion. I think it's such an important thing for yeah. us adults to know as we engage with teenagers is this like push and pull they're engaged in right now, which is also that literally genetically in order to survive when Correct. you get to this age, you have to individuate from your family, like going Correct. all the way back to our ancestors and how our species even survived. That when you get to a certain age, you have to individuate. You can't be so dependent on. And part of that is rejecting their projections, their belief systems, Correct. the things that they expect of you so that you can figure out who you are, which I say um, in my work and in my book is really about your higher self connecting to you again and being like, go get to know yourself. You are more than yeah. just pleasing this family unit. You are more That's, than that. 
especially because exactly for so long you were seeking the validation and um, love from your parents so much to, to ensure your survival. But when right. you realize I can almost survive on my own now, right? Like, or you think you can survive on your own rather, like my dad said, I was running to California. Um, yeah. You get back to who you are or you kind of discover for the first time, I guess, since you were tiny. Yeah. Aww. Think about how important that is to just know that. yourself. Like that call to know yourself that we adults like get annoyed by and call rebellion right. and feel like is so inconvenient. Yeah. It's inconvenient to the teachers and the parents and the coaches because what they need is for you to fall in line to make their lives easier. But if what you need is to know yourself so that you can actually become, then you have to quote unquote rebel. I'm really for changing the tone of how we talk about rebellion. I think rebellion is like our hero moment. I love that. But I do feel like, I mean, I cannot, I couldn't just let my 15 year old, I don't have a 15 year old yet, but I'm getting close, just out there with no parameters, just totally like, go self-explore because they would all end up dead because they have, they don't have solid decision-making skills. They think they're um, invincible. There are so many aspects about just letting them freely rebel that there's a need for there's a need for balance, I guess, just like with everything else. Absolutely. I c completely agree. But I think that the way we talk about their rebellion yes. is the problem. I don't think that they shouldn't have boundaries. I think it's about the way that we describe their rebellion as something that's shameful. Like if you – I love my family. But if you like see what's being said in you were a pain in the ass – Right. You were a troublemaker. All you wanted was your freedom. Right. There's a tinge of you made it really hard to parent right. you. And I think that instead, not that they didn't do their very best, but instead, I think what I'm advocating for when I say let's make rebellion the hero is like, what do you think is the good decision here? You know, you're really wise. What do you feel? What are like, you know, getting them in touch with that inner wisdom at that age while still giving them boundaries? Like I keep saying to my kids, you make really good decisions. You're about to go to this uh, tailgate. There's going to be alcohol there. My rule is you are not allowed to drink. And I know that deep down you make really good decisions. So like really check in with what that decision is. I think rather than this shameful, like, you don't make good decisions because you're being right. a rebel, right. which then I think I, I notice in my work implants this lack of um, this lack of confidence in your decision making. I have a lot of clients, myself included, who before we healed this part of us, believed we just didn't make good decisions. And I think it comes from this moment of like looking at the rebellious teenager and judging that rebellious teenager rather than understanding it's part of their growth and working with it in the frame of boundaries to help them make good decisions. You actually said that to me years ago about one of my kids, and I've honestly utilized it tremendously since, that to instill in them the the confidence to be able to make decisions on their own and not everyone always be barking at them like, you sleep now, you eat now, you do this now. And sort of involving them more in the process and approaching them with curiosity and hearing about yeah. it. I, w I have a question for you that just came up to my mind because I have a preteen who is on the verge of being a teenager. And now I'm realizing what, what I thought I was doing that I thought was a good idea. 
I'm curious if you think it's a good idea. I have a preteen who is months away from becoming an actual teenager. Um, and she just entered middle school and she's still on the cusp of like really loving me and, and needing me and wanting me around. But I know that that is fleeting and will be gone in the next year, probably that she'll she be. She says as her voice is shaking. <laughs> um, I'll just grab a box of tissues as I continue. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, so I know that that's coming and I keep saying to her because I want her to hear before she is in that mode that I clearly was in and you were in where you don't want to hear a word your parents say. I keep saying to her that it's coming, that I know that this stage is coming and to let her know that I will love her no matter what through it all. That even when she tells me she hates me or I don't understand her, I will forever love her. And I keep doing it to like, I feel like to make it so that once we're in it, you know, it's like a toddler having a tantrum. You can't teach them a lesson while they're in the middle of having a tantrum. They won't hear you. And I feel like the teenage years in some sense are almost like a huge tantrum and that you can't instill tons because they're not listening. So I keep trying to tell her before, like, I'm here. I love you. This is a safe space. Even if you're doing things that aren't cool, which you're about to enter, I'm still going to love you for it. But now I'm like, am I implanting these ideas in her that she's going to rebel and going to make all these decisions that she hates me? What's give me your take hot take I, on that. I think you're prefabricating something for her that may yes. not be her truth. Correct. And I think that rather than like having to prepare her for it, which by the way, she's not hearing that either. She's probably like, what right. are you talking about? I don't she know is. what you're saying. Yeah. She says, and I'll never gonna, hate you. Right. She's not going to remember it. I, I'm, I'll be honest. I yes. think when you say things like that, that's your anxiety. Totally. Right. hundred <laughs> so, percent. Right. So like that's – I think when we come from that anxious place, then our kids are like, I don't – am I supposed to take care of you? Like what do you – you know, it's not really about them. That's about you, I will say. I think the way to do the thing you're saying is to just do the thing you're saying when she gets there is like love her and be there for her and listen to her and not try to judge and shame her toward a choice or like guilt her into a choice, but rather like help her cultivate her sense of wisdom, which is I think what I'm saying I wish I had because what I noticed is that the work that I'm saying I had to do to like recapture this confidence was really having to do with this notion that I didn't make good decisions. My freedom mattered too much. I was too much, right. too much, too much. And I think rather than implant all of that, what you can do is just when and if the time comes, be there for her and love her. Totally. Do the thing you're you're telling her you're going to do. Totally. The other thing I'll say is our teenagers aren't going to be the way we were. So like she may not rebel the way you did. And it's some true. kids rebel very quietly. They rebel by, you know, choosing hobbies that they're going to go try without telling you. They rebel by, you know, like they're not, it's not always the way that it looks in these, you know, teen movies or in our life where we're out there getting drunk and having sex in the back of a car at 16. Some I kids hope. rebel differently. I don't know. I just actually saying this out year. loud and hearing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did. And hearing your um, insight actually, I feel like completely hits on our entire point of this episode, which is people probably you were mentioning that people struggle their whole lives with these uh, personas that they enveloped as children and mm -hmm. youth and that they can't shake it. And I'm realizing now that with my daughter entering middle school and me feeling so suddenly triggered that that was the beginning of my rebellion. So I'm mm -hmm. sort of almost approaching this moment in my life for her through my own lens. 
rather than saying, this is different, this isn't it. And I bet tons of people are triggered at various points in their lives by old parts of themselves that no longer serve them or no longer are even true. Like, I'm not like that anymore. Why am I even worried? Why is this even coming up? I need to let her go on her path and everybody needs to sort of shake that perception because it's really, it's not even useful. You're right. I just fixed parenting. (laughs) You did. No, that is the whole point. But I'm telling you, it's I will say what I find when we do this work with clients is like, they don't even realize that there's a teenager in there still activated. And I think it's that awareness. I guess that's my hope for this episode is like, where's that inner teen in you guys that are listening? And like, what are it's what are their beliefs and how are they using those beliefs to make decisions for you as an adult right now? You know, we each have them like your rebellion um, is saying a certain thing to you now as a parent. My lack of being visible in high school is saying a certain thing to me right now as someone who is more visible or or is, you know, about to put a book out like and has all of these. Totally. My teenager is like, what the fuck are you doing? This is not okay. We No one's going to care because that's the voice that's in there. And I think the reason that it is able to make all these decisions for us is that we don't even have awareness that it's in there still feeling these feelings because we don't we like we disappear these younger parts of ourselves and believe that we're the ones holding those ideas. But it's not it's it's this inner teen. And I think the reason that like we wanted to talk about it from the lens of popularity and rebellion is those are the things that really come into how you shape your identity. Was I popular? Was I not? Totally. Did my parents think I was, you know, a pain in the ass or not? What are my systems around me telling me about who I am and how I'm valued? And I also think there's something really interesting our producer sent us that I really love. Did you watch this video on Juvenovia? Yeah. yeah. I did. Was that, did I great. say it right? I think so. The, it was great. Ju- ju- Juvenovia? I don't, I don't it's know. like parano- paranoia, but with no. juvenile in the beginning. Juvenoia. Juvenoia. Thank you. Which is this concept. I was so, I was like, oh my God, I love this word because it's like an idea that I had in my head, but I didn't know there was an actual word, which is that every generation fears that the generation after it is destroying humanity. <laughs> it's so funny. And then it goes into like, I loved it. I even wrote it down. It was like, um, okay, so the iPhone is destroying our brains, right? I mean, it but is, before though. that, it was the internet is destroying our brains. Before that, it was television is destroying our brains. Before that rock was and roll. rock and roll. Yeah. And before that was uh, horseless carriages, aka Ooh, cars. That's, that's right? wild. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so true that every generation really believes that this next generation is like devastating our humanity and like doesn't know what they're doing and I think that it's so important to call attention to that when we're talking about like looking at teenage selves and judging them for their rebellion there's also that layer of judgment of the generation before that's like oh well I you know the good old days the way I used to do it was so much better but meanwhile their parents were like why is your head in a magazine you should be sitting here talking to us as a family or whatever they believed was destroying i literally say it to my children i'm like you guys are in your phones and me and my sister were running wild through the neighborhood at this time we'd be out we'd come home and our parents we didn't even have a cell phone yeah anyway it's tangent but i did want to say i think probably i would imagine a part of your work also that you do with these teenage 
people who are stuck with their teenage mentalities, like even you are saying that you are an example of this, that you're out there and you're in the world and everybody who encounters you and works with you tells you, which I've even seen with my own eyes and ears, what a badass bitch you are and how helpful you are. But you still have this voice in you telling you it's yeah. not enough. You're not enough. But I guess a good tool would be to, uh, I guess, counter that with the facts. Like you have the facts in front of you, which is you're running a successful business. Everyone who works with you tells you how amazing you are and how much you've impacted their lives and what change you've created for them. So you have all these facts that you have to use against that voice, I guess, to work on silencing it. But I don't think the facts work unless you actually listen to the voice and identify who it is. So I think that the bigger tool is like, acknowledging that it's still in there and always will be. And I think what we do oh, we when we have hard it. feelings, mm -hmm. when we have hard feelings that come up from the past, we want to shake them off. Yes. We like, we treat them yep. like, oh, go away. You know, like you're gross. I don't <laughs> want to deal with you. <laughs> Stinky. Which is like how the teenager is feeling. So it's just getting validated by that same. It's like, oh, okay. Even my own future self is like, get out of here. You're not, right. you're not adding value. And so I think the greatest tool, the most magical tool I have in my toolbox that I give people is like, hey, why don't you just stop and listen to it and be like, what's going on here? What are you worried about? What are you thinking about? What's happening with you? That's the kind of attention that it's craving. That's why it's talking to you in, to begin with. And then what? So it, the voice says to you, oh, I feel like I'm not, in your example, just to use a clear example, I'm, you know, I, I'm not enough. People aren't going to want to hear me or see me, even though I'm out there in the public eye. So you address it. You say like, what do you need? It tells you what you need. And then what? And then it quiets down and I get to be in my most centered, empowered, oh. rooted, clear self. It then I get to tune into like, what's, what's really real here? What evidence, to your point, do I have? Oh, the evidence I have is actually whatever, dot, dot, dot. This this last thing I said was helpful to this client. But you can't really hear that inner wisdom when the teenager is so loud. And totally. when you try to ignore the teenager, it's just getting louder. And it, that's I honestly think what causes a lot of our anxiety is trying to ignore these younger projections. Wow, that is a lot of your method, actually. Not I, I never addressed I never thought of it as teenager because whenever we have done work together in yeah, the past, it's been a younger. It's been a younger version, even though I was the most rebellious in my teen years, but for some reason it's always been younger. And I thought that was across the board for people. Interesting yeah. to hear that a lot of it's rooted in high school. It is rooted in high school. Can I take this now in a shady direction for a moment? <laughs> oh wow. I will meet so you there. You know, we we're talking about popularity and I said I wanted to just like talk about peaking in high school. Yeah. Do you think that this concept of peaking in high school is a thing? Like, is that something that you've noticed about people? Do you have people you've in your life that you're like, oh, that was your prime? No. I mean, I believe that it exists. Have you ever seen Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion? Yes. Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. That's another good one. It's Wait. a good one. And it's all about that, that these people who peaked in high school – and yes. then Romy and Michelle go back to their reunion and they think that like they need to impress these people, but these people are behaving in the exact same way they behaved in high school, trying to achieve, I guess, that sensation of being wonderful. But yeah. instead, they just look like immature imbeciles because they're, you know, older and more grown and they should behave accordingly, yeah. right? They, they, so I know, I think it's a is. lie yeah. that they invented the post it, right? <laughs> Do you have any businesswoman discounts? <laughs> It's my favorite. That's so good. Um, 
wait, hold on. Speaking of, before Sorry. we get even deeper into peaking, did you, have you been to a high school reunion? Uh, I went to one. I had a very gigantic. I graduated with about a thousand people. Yeah, um, and it was huge. And I went to. I guess it was my ten year, but I was like three months pregnant with my first kid. My best friend, who I went with, had just tragically lost her younger brother. It right. was like a very strange reunion. It wasn't like a joyful. It was interesting. Yeah, but that was about it. You? No, I've never been to a single one because I literally only spoke to three people. Yeah, but like there's an organizer who just organizes it. No, no, no. I mean, I wouldn't go because it's like the people that I, I'm going to speak oh. to, I'm going to speak to. Like I'm not going oh, to go to a high school oh, oh. reunion to find them. Got it. Got it. Like I really feel like if I walked into a high school reunion, people would be like, I don't – did you go to our school? Yeah, but then you would get to see. You're, it's still like – Why a, do I want to see? I don't know. It's what do voyeuristic. I, care? I don't know. No. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go at this point in my life, I have to be honest. My dad still goes. He has like tons of friends that he still has from kindergarten. Yeah. So they all TJ know each other. He we does. go to Tahoe for these reunions. And it's because he went to a school with like, I think 70 kids were in his senior class. I do believe there is peaking. I'm sure there is nobody in my life. Um, I think Romeo and Michelle was probably based on that concept of these people who f- believe that their prime is high school and then they can't yes. escape it. It's almost the same as these people who didn't feel that it was their prime and they can't escape that. Yes. You're right. Yes. I think the peaking in high school thing is a real phenomenon. Yeah. And I think that it is part of why we like sometimes speak different languages as adults with people. It's like some people just feel really stuck in a place that was like their the height of their existence. And that was when they were 16. And it almost <gasps> feels a little bit like development sort of stops there. And it oh, like no. – that their thinking kind of gets stuck in that place because that was the best of life. It would be really sad, truthfully, to not evolve past 16. Right? Yeah. That's what I keep saying to the kids. It's like when they talk about popularity, all four of them, I'm like, y'all, I'm just going to tell you right now, the last thing you want is for these to be your very best years ever. They can't hear that. Do they hear you? Are they like, yeah, that makes sense. They're probably like, this is my now. This is my life. It's true. It's true. Like, I just up. wanted to know if I was being <laughs> up, judgmental mom. when I said that there are people who peak in high school and feel like they just they stay there and there's so much more to experience. But like that was the very best. I don't think that was judgment. I think it was kind of speaking to the whole theme of this episode, which is high school can really define who you are and who you become for some yes. people. That's all. Yes. Is that your magical famous takeaway? That's my takeaway. But wait, I can't, that can't be my takeaway yet. Oh. Wait, did we address all the three, the three pillars of Bean's high school agenda? I think we did. Oh, (laughs) done. Did it. Done. Does everyone understand? This is a clean bow for you. (laughs) Listen to who you were in high school because that voice for most people, it turns out, is still in there. See what it needs and help it quiet. By using facts from your current, from where you are now. Bean, good takeaway. And go back and watch your favorite high school movie because why the hell not? Totally. Why the hell not? Even if it's a fake portrayal of what's up, it's still super fun. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, soup's fun. Well, Bean, that was fun, our our journey back to high school. And I didn't get triggered once. Oh, I'm so glad. I got a little triggered talking about middle school, but it's totally fine. You're good. We're safe. It's good. We're safe. My daughter's going to be a-okay. All right, Bean. Well, I'll see you next week then. Bye. Bye.
This has been another episode of Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. This podcast is co-hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and Melissa Grushka. Special thanks to my production team, Anushree Thekadeh, Arman Kassam, and Anais Islami. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. See you then.